Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 41, verse 50 through 52. And we're going to get down to business. I don't want to mess around. I got a lot to go over, and I want to make sure I get through it today if possible. So Genesis 41, 50 through 52. This is one of the scriptures that God gave me for this anniversary. And so it says there, and the Amplified, it reads, Now two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine came. Now, how many of you know that Joseph went through a whole lot of hell before he got to this point? <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of people want to receive, you know, what Joseph received. <laughs> but they don't want to go through what Joseph went through to get it. <laughs> you know, I heard a story, you know, um, and it was saying that, you know, this guy came up and said, oh, I want pastor. I want the anointing that's on your life. Can you lay hands on me? Right? So he said, okay. You know, so he laid hands on him, you know. And he began to pray. He said, God, let this man's heart be broken. I mean, let him experience all kind of hardship. Let somebody, let somebody put a pearly knife in his back. He was like, well, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Praying that stuff over me? He said, well, if you want this anointing, you know. That's how you're going to get it. You don't get it because somebody lays some hands on you. You don't get it. You can't get a, you know, uh, you know, 20 years worth of a broken heart and having to, you know, pray through that and recover through that because oftentimes those things that happen to us enable us to, you know, connect us to God more so that we can pray and become those prayer warriors and, and receive that anointing that's upon our lives. Some stuff just don't happen just because. You know, turn this up just a little bit. So, you know, Joseph went through all hell, man. I mean, you know, he, had, he was betrayed by his brothers, you know. The ones that are supposed to love him the most and be the closest to him betrayed him. And, you know, they threw him in a pit, discarded him like he was trash, you know. And then sold him as a slave into Egypt. And he spends a good amount of time. He spends about 13 to 17 years in Egypt before he's released, you know. And he's, a, he's in slavery. I mean, you know, I know that God was with him, but at the end of the day, he was in he was a slave in Egypt. Now, I want somebody to get behind this um, this camera because I'm going to I'm going to start something new. I always tell, I told him I'm, I don't move around, not because I don't want to. I move I don't move around because I've I've disciplined myself to stay right in front of this camera. <laughs> That's why I don't move. <laughs> but now Toya's going to help me out. You're going to move this camera a little bit so I can become mobile. <laughs> and I'm going to get my mic to work, that crazy thing. I'm going to get my, my lapel mic to work. I'm going to get a better mic. That's what I'm, we got to find a better mic. That's what we need to do. The, the system is good. It's the mic. So we got to fix that. We got to find a good one. We'll spend good money on it and have it working. Amen. So I was hands-free this Thursday. Did you see I got, micro, I got mics for less talk? It goes right into the system. And so I got a lapel mic, and then he, my guest has a lapel mic. And then we're hands-free. I was like, man, I feel like I'm, I've been set free. <laughs> I said, now I got to get it up here and everything. About, I'll be all right. <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, he, I mean, he went through, think about it. I mean, you know, here he is. He's in slavery. And I'm talking about for a long time. He's in slavery. And, you know, he finds himself, this man named Potiphar buys him purchases him 
And he goes into this man's house and he begins to serve, you know. And now this is the first time that he's ever been in a position like this. You know, he was he was a house boy. You know, he used to, you know, hard work. His job was his father said, you know, I want you to go to your see what your brothers are doing. Come back and tell me what they're doing. <laughs> now here he is. He has to he has to work, man. And I mean hard. He's doing slave work. He ain't doing a couple of chores. He ain't washing the dishes. I mean, he's doing slavery work. And, um, you know, so he's there for a while, but God begins to bless him while he's there. And he begins to elevate him in this man's house. But I don't want you to forget the fact that he's still a slave. And the Bible says that even though he was a slave, he was a prosperous man. So bottom line is, you know, no matter where or how low you find yourself, God can elevate you. But then he starts doing good there for a little while. And then, you know, Potiphar's wife starts checking him out. And man, that boy's handsome. <laughs> and she tries to, you know, sleep with him. But he's integral. You know, he refuses to, he, he says, how can I do this thing and sin against God? And not Potiphar. You know, yeah, it'll, it'll be, I'll hurt him, but forget about him. How can I do this thing and sin against God? You know? Maybe nobody in the house would have found out. Maybe he could have slept with her for a while and nobody would have knew. But he understood that God would have known. And that was enough for him. So he's, I'm not going to do this thing and sin against God. But for his integrity. See, sometimes when you're, even when you're integral and you do the right thing, you see, you think that, well, everything's going to turn out right for me because I did the right thing. For his troubles and for his honor, He's thrown into prison because his wife accuses, the wife accuses him of rape. And now here he is in a foreign nation, an accused rapist. And he's rotting in prison. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I know. See, because I, I, I see when I think about the scriptures, I think about how I would react to things, right? And I'm like, wow, you know, I'd be like, man, you know, God, I, I was doing what's right. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand why this would happen to me if I'm doing the right thing. But he's there for a purpose. He's there to meet two men, the chief butler and the chief baker. And he interprets their dreams. And after he interprets these dreams, you know, one of them winds up getting killed like he, like he told him. And then the other one goes back to the palace and he says, look, man, don't forget me when you go there. I mean, the moment he gets steps foot in that palace, he forgets all about Joseph. <laughs> and he's writing, and, and I love the way the Bible is because the Bible doesn't, you know, it doesn't leave anything out. It says that he stays there for two full years. Full, you know, not, not a year and ten months. Two full years, complete. He's in prison, you know, rotten. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream. And he's remembered because nobody else can interpret his, their, his dream but someone that can interpret dreams. Right. And this is what I call the suddenly of God. Because it took a while. But in a moment's time, he's released from prison. I mean, he is raised up to the highest heights in all of Egypt. And he becomes the second in command only to Pharaoh. In a moment's time. 
I mean, he only, Bible says he only has enough time to shave and change his clothes. And he's standing in front of Pharaoh. That crazy or what? So, you know, I had to tell that story because I want you to understand. See, sometimes it takes a while to get to places. See, this, this, this didn't happen overnight. This was something that he had to battle with for many years before he received what I'm about to go into. So now here he is. He's the second in command to only Pharaoh and the most powerful nation in the entire world. And it says there, now two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. And the Bible says, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, which means causing to forget. I'm telling you something. When you've been through hell like this man has been through, I mean, you, you, need, you need a blessing to the, that's big enough to cause you to forget. I mean, it got to be one real huge blessing for you to forget. 13 years of slavery. <laughs> I mean, it got to be some blessing. But, you know, but see, God, he was saying with one blessing, the way he has elevated me, the way that he has removed my, my shame, the way that he has put me into a place of honor and dignity, the way that he has prospered me, that one blessing is big enough to cause me to forget all of the hell that I've been through these past 13 to 17 years. And see, with that, I want to prophesy to you today that it's only going to take one blessing from God that's going to be able to cause you to forget everything that you've been through, all of the hell, all of the turmoil, all of the trouble, everything that the enemy has stolen from you. It's only going to take one blessing from God to cause you to forget everything that you've been through. Can you say amen? I mean, you should be receiving that right now. I mean, if I was you, I'd be receiving that. So he named the first more Manasseh, causing to forget. For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and hardship and all the sorrow of the loss of my father's house. Why, my God. Just one blessing. That's all it takes from God. But see, you know, God didn't just leave it there. He gave him another child. And he named the second son Ephraim, which literally means fruitfulness or doubly fruitful. And he said, for God has caused me to be fruitful or doubly fruitful and very successfully in the land of my suffering. <laughs> so here I am suffering in this land. And no matter where you are, here he is in a foreign land. You know, he's a slave there. A slave that is an accused rapist. That was in prison. I mean, just forget about all of that. The Egyptians didn't like Hebrews anyway. I mean, and not, not just slave Hebrews and not just accused rapist Hebrews. They didn't like Hebrews at all. The Bible says that when Joseph, even Joseph, when he was elevated and he's now in, in his house, his servants wouldn't even eat with him because they said it was an abomination to eat with Hebrews. It was, a, it was disgusting. To, they're serving him, but it was a disgusting thing to eat with Hebrews. 
So he says, not only has God forget, caused me to forget all the hell I've been through, but he's also caused me to be doubly fruitful in the land that I've been afflicted in, the land that I've suffered in. You know, and now even Potiphar and his wife have to bow down before me. Right? I'm in, I'm in charge of everything now. When they started crying, they said, you know, give us food to eat, Pharaoh. He said, what are you crying to me for? Go to Joseph. <laughs> what are you crying after me for? And see, God, with one blessing, can cause you to forget all the hell you've been through. And he's going to cause you to be doubly fruitful. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, you can give God praise for that. So with that being said, you know, this anniversary, it marked the completion of year nine for us. All right. Now, the number nine in the scriptures, it means divine completeness or finality. It means harvest and fruitfulness. Right. It's beautiful. Right. And the natural of full term pregnancy lasts for nine months. Right. And then you have finality. Right. You have the completeness of a full term. And the woman gives birth. Amen. Now, for this past year, this is what I personally believe. I believe that we've been this ministry in a birthing position, carrying and developing the promise to full term. Now, as we close out year nine, right, because nine years mean that we've completed nine years. We're not beginning nine years. We've completed nine years. Right. And now we're going into year number 10. So as we enter into year number 10 at the conclusion of our anniversary, which was last weekend, which is our new year, right? I believe that we are about to give birth to twins. <laughs> wow. yeah. Now, you know, we talked about it, and um, Bishop confirmed this, that this is the ninth month and the ninth year, right? And um, that just simply means double nines, right? And God said this year was the year of us being doubly fruitful because we were positioning ourselves for a double portion blessing. Can you say amen? Not just one, but two. Now, again, I believe that we're giving birth to twins. I believe that we're about to receive a Manasseh and an Ephraim blessing. Because, again, with one blessing, God is going to cause us to forget all of the hell, all of the turmoil, all of the tragedy, everything that we've been through these last nine years, right? That's the Manessa blessing. And then God is going to cause us, again, to be doubly fruitful and very successful in the land or in the areas that we've been afflicted in. Can you say amen? amen. And that's the Ephraim blessing. Now, again, that's, that was a word for this ministry as a whole, but I also release that over you as a personal word, as an individual. And the beautiful thing about being connected to a local assembly is that everything that happens in that local assembly also happens to and for you, if you're connected. See, as long as you're connected to the body, whatever happens to the body affects the whole body, right? Blessings start coming on the body, the head. It starts going down to all of the other parts, as long as you stay connected. And you say, and that's why it's so important to stay connected. See, people have disconnected themselves. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got an arm laying over there and a leg. So you got amputated parts all over the place, you know? And when you disconnect yourself, you begin to dry up. You begin to wither. 
You know, if you broke a branch off of a tree, it just begins to die immediately because it's no longer connected to the source of its strength, which is the root. You got to stay connected. If you stay connected, then you start receiving all of the nutrients, all of the fruitfulness that happens as a result of that root pushing it out to you. Can you say amen? amen. With that being said, I'm going to tell you right now, get ready to give birth to twins. <laughs> get ready to give birth to twins. Now, I got some scriptures I'm going to read to you. We got to get to the word. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 12. It says there, return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, O prisoners of hope. I like that. Even today, I am declaring that I will restore double your former prosperity to you as firstborn among the nations. Now, this is the first thing I want to say about this. The only thing that I ever want to be imprisoned by is hope. That's it. I want to be captured by hope in God, and I'll never want to be set free. How about you? I am hope's prisoner because I'm trusting and believing God for his promises to come to pass in my life. How about you? See, I want to be imprisoned by hope. <laughs> Second, you know, God makes a declaration that he's going to restore double to you, right? This is the year of the double portion. He said that he would not only restore everything that you lost over the years, but that he was going to double it. Can you say amen? That means that he's going to give you twice as much as what you lost. That means that he's going to give you back everything that you lost, and then he's going to give you another one. <laughs> Can you say amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I'd just be happy to get everything back that I lost. How about you? <laughs> that would be enough. I'd be happy. Just give me back everything I lost. But see, God is not satisfied with just restoring you. He wants to double what you lost. <laughs> see, he wants you to come out on top. See, he wants you to come out better than the way you went. And see, he don't want to just restore. Can you not just push you back to a place you were before? He said, no, I want to do that. I'm going to restore you. Then I'm going to give you another one because I want, I want you to make up for lost time. <laughs> You're gonna, some of you are going to make up for lost time. You know what I'm saying? Because you did so something happened and you lost what you had. And God says, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double it. Because I'm going to restore you and I'm going to give you another one. <laughs> to make sure that I make up for those years that you lost out on because you forfeited something. You lost something. You gave something. Something was taken from you. He said, I'm going to give it back to you. And then I'm going to give you another one. Can you say amen? <laughs> Look at somebody and say, get ready for your double portion. <laughs> See, he wants to double what you've lost so you can come out on top. And I'm telling you right now, get ready to possess your double. Now, in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 5 through 9, I'm going to spend a little time on this. This was the other scripture that God gave me. I'm going to go into a little more depth so that you have more of it. But verse 7 was the one that God specifically gave me. But I'm going to give you the full picture. Isaiah 61, verses 5 through 9. Listen to this. And get ready to get happy. And I, as I say these things, I want you to, I want you to believe that this is, this is for me. I want you to say this is for me. Right? Strangers will stand and feed your flocks. My God. And foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. 
That just means somebody going to be working for you. And he said, but you shall be called the priest of the Lord. People will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations. My God, man. And you will boast of their riches. Instead of your former shame, you will have a double portion. My God. And instead of humiliation, your people will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they will possess double. Listen to this. What they had forfeited or what they have lost. Everlasting joy will be theirs. And he says, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery with a burnt offering. And he says, I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations. That's your children. <laughs> and their descendants among the people. See, this is, not, this is a generational thing. This is not just for you. This is goes beyond you. This goes down to your children, your children's children. Can you say amen? amen? Also, all who see them in their prosperity, listen to this, will recognize and acknowledge them that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. Oh, <laughs> Woo! Now, in the Good News Translation, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, and, um, you know, Pastor Jason went over this on Friday night, and he says, your shame and disgrace are ended. My God, it's over. Look at somebody and say, it's over. It's over. Your shame and disgrace is over. That time is over. That's past. It's over. <laughs> you will live in your own land, and your wealth will be doubled, and your joy will last forever. <laughs> See, I don't know about you, but I'm receiving this right now. This is my word right here. If you don't take it, I'm going to take it. <laughs> don't let me get all of the oil myself. I'm going to receive that for myself in Jesus' name. So let's go over these real quick. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. And I put here, you know, God is about to put people to work for you. You're about to get a little help. Can you say amen? <laughs> you see, when God wants to bless you, he will put a person in your life that has the keys to open doors that you don't have uh, keys to open. God is about to give you favor with people, and he's going to use them to open doors for you that were previously locked. Can you say amen? amen. See, some of you have had, you know, you've been wanting to go higher in your careers. But you just haven't been able to get there, right? The door has been locked. But God says, see, I'm about to send you somebody that has, that, that has the keys to open that door for you. See, now, if you want to come into this church, you just can't walk into that door. The door is locked. So you got to wait. If you're outside and you're waiting and you're, you, you can't get in here, you got to wait for somebody to come that has keys that can open it up. Can you say amen? See, there's some doors right now, some doors of opportunity, some doors of prosperity, some doors of elevation, promotion that are, it's a door in front of you, and you can't get through it because you don't have the keys. But somebody's going to come and say, oh, you need to get inside there? Oh, just one second. Right. <laughs> and they're going to open the door for you. You know, some of you, you know, like, hey, Franny's an actor, right? And somebody, favor's going to come on Franny. And somebody's going to give her an opportunity mm -hmm. that she, she couldn't get by herself. Uh -huh. 
But somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? You need to put Franny in there. She needs to do that part. You give her that part to speak. She, she could do that part. Amen. And that, that one person that has favor, my mom, right, has a business where she makes all of these amazing cookies, man, and, 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 and cupcakes and cakes and stuff like that. All she needs is one person. She just needs one person that says, man, that's good. I'm going to get it put into this store. I'm going to get it to put inside here. I'm going to get it put in there. And next thing you know, your business explodes. That's it. That's all it takes. The one right person here, Minister Chas sing, be like, man, you know, you need to, I need to, you need to make a record. Amen. And I'm gonna put it out there, you know, we're gonna promote it. And next thing you know, he's all over the come on. That's all it takes. Just one person that has the keys to open up a door that you don't have the keys to. That's all it takes. And they open that door, be like, yeah, come on in. All it takes is the favor of God. God turning one person's heart towards you with favor and with love. And he says, see, I'm about to start giving you favor with people. I'm about to start turning people's hearts towards you, and they're going to open up doors that you would have never been able to get through without them. That's number one. Number two, and he says, but you shall be called the priest of the Lord, and people will speak of you as the ministers of our God. And, you know, and see, this, what, this speaks of the fact that you seek the kingdom of God first. <laughs> See, that's our part. See, we can't forget about the fact that we got a part to play. You see, if you focus on serving God and doing what God has called you to do, he'll make sure that all the other things will be added to you. See, people want the other stuff. And see, they start running after the stuff. And God says, look, if you just focus on doing what I'm calling you to do right now, I'll send you the person that can open the door for you. Because only I can do that. I can do that for you, but I just need you to serve me. If you'll focus on serving me, then I will open the doors for you. And I will touch people's hearts to open doors for you that you can't even, you would never be able to do yourself. If you focus on yourself and just do your own thing, you'll never be able to have those doors open for you that you'd like. But if you focus on me and do my thing, I'll open up, I'll have people open up those doors for you. See, if you get favor with God, you don't have to worry about having favor with man. The Bible says promotion cometh not from the east or from the west or from the south. But he's the one that promotes. He's the one that raises one up and puts another down. And see, he can promote you wherever you are in life. But he says, first, seek me first. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added. That's nothing. I don't care about nothing. I'll just give you that stuff. Put God first. Can you say amen? And he says, if you put me first, you will eat the wealth of the nations and you will boast of their riches. I'll put right now people are storing up wealth to turn it over to you. That's what God will do for you when you begin to seek him first. There's some people right now, you know, I'm telling you right now that there's some doors about to swing open for you. And, and as a result of those doors opening for you, some wealth is going to come in. But that's only if you seek God first. You start forgetting about God and doing your own thing, that those, those wealth streams dry up on you. Those opportunities begin to dry up. See, some of you will serve, will serve God till the wheels fall off until an opportunity opens for you. And then you'll forget about God and run after that. 
See, be careful. Be careful. You know, he says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. He says, lest you start believing in your heart, it's the might of my hand has given me this wealth. See, that's what happens to a lot of people, man. They start, they start getting blessed, and they forget that it was God that opened up those doors for them. And they start running after the blessing, and they forget the blessor. And God said, don't forget me. As long as you don't forget me, you'll have more than enough. You'll never have to worry about anything. But you start running after that stuff, those wealth streams will begin to dry up. And he goes on to say, see, instead of your former shame, you'll have a double portion. And instead of your humiliation, your people will shout for joy over their portion. See, again, you know, this anniversary, my pastor began to preach on the fact that God was going to remove your shame. And I put here, throughout your life, you may have been shamed. And it's affected you. And hindered you from making forward progress. You know, I had, you know, I had um, Pastor Thurcell on Thursday. And we were talking about mental health. And, you know, and I was mentioning to her, you know, we were talking that more people, I believe, need uh, healing in their mind, their will, and their emotions, their soul, than they do in their physical body. The biggest opposition that they have in their life is not the devil. It's what's on the inside of their, their mind. They have put in, they have put limits on themselves based upon what has happened to them in their past. You know, they started to feel like they were nothing and nobody. And as a result, there's no way that I can make forward progress because I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I can't, you know, they, they believe that. And you can't get further than your most predominant thought about yourself. You start thinking that you can't make it. I don't care how much I preach to you. I don't care how much I tell you you're going to get a double portion. <laughs> if you don't believe that that's for you, you will never get it. I don't care if God promised it to you. You know, I could, I, I, could, I could scream it in your ear. The double portion is yours. And you still won't believe it. And he says, see, I'm, I'm about to remove that shame and disgrace, that humiliation. You know, that stuff that happened to you in your past, you know, that made you believe that you could not make forward progress, that made you believe that you were nothing, that you were nobody, and that you would never be anybody because of what happened. I'm going to remove that from you. And once that thing is removed, you're going to see yourself, I mean, you're going to accelerate like crazy the moment that's removed. Because that's what's blocking you. It's like invisible hands that are grabbing you. You're trying to run, but you got hands grabbing you. And it's what happened to you in your past. It is holding on to you, and you can't, you, you can't run like you want to. And if you can just get those hands off of you, you take off running. It's affected you. It's hindered you. From making progress. But God promised us that he would remove our shame. And he would cause you to rejoice over your double portion blessing that he's about to give you. He's going to remove those arms of shame, of humiliation. Those things that's been holding you back. Those weights that are 
bogging you down. You know, the Bible says, lay aside all the sin and every weight. The weight is not the sin. You got to lay away to lay aside the sin. You can't be living like the devil. But then there's also something on you called a weight. And those weights are not sins. Those are things from your past, think your thought process about yourself, about how, how you think you're going to be able to make it or whether or not you do. Those are the weights that are holding you back and holding you down. So there's some people here that got rid of the sin. They're living for God. But they still can't make forward progress because they haven't laid aside the weight. And you got to get rid of both of them. You can't let neither one of them hang on to you. You can't be sinning and living like the devil, and you can't be carrying weights if you want to run for God. All right, let me move on. It goes on to say, number five, therefore in their land they will possess double. What they had forfeited, everlasting joy will be theirs. Now I want you to think, listen to this. To forfeit means to lose or to give up or be deprived of something, property or right or privilege as a penalty for wrongdoing. That's what the word forfeit means. It means to lose. It means to give up or hand over. It means to be deprived of something, a property or a right or a privilege as a penalty for wrongdoing. And see, that just means that most of us have lost something because of something we did. See, I know we want to blame others for our losses in life. I know we want to blame the devil. I know we want to blame other people and stuff like that for the losses that we've experienced. But if we be honest, most of our losses really are our fault. Most of the losses I've experienced in life has been a result of a decision I made. Even if another person was involved, I made the decision to be involved with that person. Against, against all facts, against everything that God was trying to tell me, people were trying to tell me, I made a decision, this is my friend. This is the person I want to be with. I made the decision. Nobody else. And then you can say, he led me, he led me down the wrong path. He can't lead you if you don't let him. <laughs> can't nobody make you follow them. <laughs> you make a decision to follow somebody. You make a decision to be in a relationship with somebody. It's their fault. They do this to me. They do that to me. You're letting them. So most of the loss we experience in life, most of the things that we have, you know, been deprived of, once we get to the point where we say, you know what, it's my fault. See, as long as we are blaming other people, we take the responsibility off of ourselves, and then that just sets us up to have more failures in life. The moment that you start saying, you know what, it's me. There ain't nobody else. It's me. I made that decision. I did that. I allowed that. Now, let me stop doing that. Then things will start happening right. 
But I love this because God says, don't worry about that. Even if the loss was your fault, I'm going to make it right. <laughs> I'm still going to restore everything you lost, and then I'm going to double it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You know, I had some. You know, I had a home that I lost because of when I was younger. I was I was buying property, man. I bought these homes, man, and I was trying to be a mogul and all that stuff. You know, I'm trying to do all this stuff, and you know, I wound up, and I knew, I knew, I knew it wasn't God, man. I knew, I knew it. But my ambition, my desire, you know, pushed me forth, and I and I went forth, and I got the house anyway. And it became the worst financial decision I ever made in my life. And I think set me back years. And then God started restoring me. He started restoring me. But I was left with a lesson. You know, you know there's two primary words for deliverance in the Bible. One is as if you had your head in like the mouth of a crocodile. And he was just about to come down on your head and you're snatched out. That's one word for deliverance. That's what we want. We want God to deliver us that way. But that's not the most lasting way to be delivered. You may just stick your head back in another crocodile's mouth. <laughs> the other word for deliverance is it's a process. I mean, you're going to have to pay for that. You have to learn the hard way. You know, and you suffer through some things for a minute <laughs> and you got to rebuild your life because it's been destroyed or something like that. You got to rebuild yourself. You know, that's the type of deliverance that's the most lasting It's one of those things that, you know, it leaves a scar. You were wounded. And then, you know, when you remove that bandaid, it was healed, but there was a scar. The scar don't hurt anymore. But it is a reminder of what happened to you. And it's a reminder, don't do that again. <laughs> if a child touch a hot stove one time, good. Don't touch that, it's hot. They don't listen to that. Don't touch, it's hot. They don't know what that means. They put their hand on that thing. They find out real quick. And they be like, and they don't want to touch that thing. Nobody, they don't even, they don't ever want to touch it again. <laughs> no, it's not hot anymore. I'm not, they still don't want to touch it. <laughs> and, you know, that's, but, but see, God can restore you from those mistakes. And God has restored my wife and I many times over for that, that mistake that I made when I was younger. But, you know, it took time, you know, but it took time. And it, I had to get healed and delivered and stuff like that. And, he had to re restore our finances, all kinds of stuff. But God said, see, it was your mistake. You did it. Even though, I, even though I was trying to put all kinds of things in your path to let you know that wasn't a good idea. You did it anyway. Now I'm very cautious. When I make a decision on something, when I make an investment, I'm very, very like cautious about making it. 
I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not in fear because I don't mind making investments. But I'm like, okay, God, if this not you, sabotage it. I don't want nothing that don't belong to me. I only want it if it's, if it's from you. I don't want it if it ain't you. <laughs> you know, not in fear about making no decision. I, I will make an investment, but I want to make sure that this is God. Because I ain't got no time to, you know, throwing away money. I don't play that. The last thing here, number six, it says, listen to this. All who see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge them that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. My God. See, my final thing here with that is, see, when people see you, as you're walking in your double portion blessing, they will have to admit that God has done it for you. <laughs> they will have to say, man, you know, that has to be God. <laughs> Some people see my life today, I see old friends and stuff like that. I used to be doing crazy things with, they be looking at me, they're like, oh my God, like, it has to be God. Like, he was a nut. Here he is, like, <laughs> here he is serving God and stuff like that, you know. I mean, they look at me like they're shocked. But when they see you like that, they be like, man, it gotta, that got to be a God. <laughs> they turn that guy around, it has to be a God. <laughs> Your prosperity could be used as your greatest evangelistic tool. <laughs> Unfortunately, seeing is believing, is what it is. When people see you and your prosperity, they're going to say, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. <laughs> see, you got to be the, see, you got to be the forerunner. See, I don't like to do things that everybody else has done. I like to do things and they'd be like, wow, that's, Wow, that's really awesome. That's different. Like, oh, so-and-so did that. I've seen that before. I don't want nobody saying that about me. When they see something that we're doing, I want them to be like, whoa, man. Like, you know, when people come down to our food pantry, everybody that comes down to our food pantry for the first time, they, they always think before they get there, oh, some little pantry. <laughs> some little pantry. They, after they work for that day, man, they be sweating. You know what I mean? They had to work out of their life. They were like, man, I thought this was some little pantry you had. Man, this is, this is massive, you know. I don't want to do nothing small. I want to do big things for God. Can you say amen? amen? I got that big wall for let's talk, man. People come here, they be like, oh, man, this is nice. I got to want to. And then they start saying, I want to do something like that. See, I don't want to do nothing nobody else did. I want to have, I want to have creative ideas from God. You know, and then when people see it, you know, it becomes an evangelistic tool because you're like, whoa, man, that is, that gotta be God. For you to think like that, that's God. You know. And so I love it, you know. Your greatest evangelistic tool will be when people see what God has done for you. And they're going to have to say, man, God is with you, man. That's God, man. God is with you. Man, to do that, I, mean, I, kn I knew you back then. I knew you when you were living like that. You didn't have anything. Now you got all of this. And you were able to say, God bless me. God has blessed me. You know, I live for God now. And he just, he just blesses me. You know, I don't run after that stuff. I run after God and God just, he just gives me that stuff.
because I serve him, you know. And you can have it too. And all you need to do is give your life to the Lord Jesus. See, he becomes an evangelistic tool. How'd you get there? I'm just serving God, man. You know, because I serve God. He, he just gives me favor. Things just happen for me, you know, out of the ordinary because I'm serving him. You know? And that becomes your calling card, your evangelistic tool. <laughs> it becomes your track. <laughs> your life is your track. You know, people want to see, see people, you know, people whether, you know, my best friend, he always says, Pastor Ty, he says, you know, people rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I want to see, I want to see it. You know, I don't want to, you know, I want to hear, I want to see it. I want to, is there a difference in your life? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? What am I serve him for? He ain't making no difference in your life. You're, just, you're the same person you were before. What am I, what I got to go to that church to do that for? I got to do that. They start seeing your life change and there's peace in your life. You know, there's, there's love and there's joy in your life. Then God starts blessing you and stuff like that and things start happening for you. Then they start looking at you. They be like, man, you know, I need to serve that God. People don't want to serve no God that don't make you no better. Worse off than when you started. There should be evidence in your life. All right, so let's, let, me, let me move on because I got to get ready to close. You guys getting something out of this? All right. So what are some of these things, because this is important, what are some of these things that can hinder you from receiving a double portion? Right, because we got to talk about that. Then I'm going to close. The number one, of course, and I'm not going to go into a deep sin. You can't live like the devil and think you're going to get a double portion from God. You know, you're doing your own thing. You know, living like the world and stuff like that. And then, I'm going to get a double portion. Hey, not from God, you're not. <laughs> not doing your thing, you're not. So no living like the devil. That will be the first disqualifier for the double portion. <laughs> I'll go into a little more depth with the rest of these. But, but, but that's a given. Being double-minded will disqualify you for a double portion. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, if any of you lack wisdom to guide him through a decision or a circumstance, he is to ask our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without wavering or doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts or wavers is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that they will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being double-minded, unstable, and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. You're going to be double-minded. Don't think you're going to get anything from God. In other words, here I am talking to you today about a double portion. And you walk out of here saying, yeah, I'm going to get a double portion. Then you leave out of here and something happens. And the devil steals that word from you. And you start thinking, well, maybe that wasn't for me. You can't be double-minded. You got to have your mind made up that that's for me. 
Whatever God has promised me belongs to me. I, you know, I was, I was studying, looking at the scriptures today, and I was checking out the fact that, you know, I love, I love it. It talks about that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, right? See, we're not no longer slaves, the Bible said, or servants. We are sons and daughters, and we've been adopted with full rights and privileges. And see, we need to understand that we have full, see, that's one of the greatest, I think, revelations that a person can have about God is the fact that they are a son or a daughter. Because if you ever can really believe that you are God's son or daughter, you will stop ever thinking that you're not going to make it in life. Once you come to that revelation, I'm his son. That means that he has obligated himself to take care of me. And we're talking about not just some, you know, guy on the corner, son. We're talking about God. Right? We're talking about the king of kings, the lord of lords, the master of the universe. He's my father. Once you get that revelation and you hold on to that, there's no, there's no way you'll accept anything less than the best. If you were over there in England and you were one of Queen Elizabeth's sons, she just went home to be with the Lord. Prayerfully, she was, I think she was saved. And she went home to be with the Lord, man, you'd be like, I'm a prince. The son just became a king. <laughs> Ain't none of them like this. How am I going to make it? I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. Struggling. Ain't got no money. Ain't nobody doing that. Ain't not one of them got their head down. They are taught to walk with their shoulders back and their head high. From birth, they're taught how to walk, how to sit. How, but why? Because you're you're royalty. And most of you that you get saved, and you know, see. I was thinking about something today. You know, <laughs> I'm Riti, right? This is my personal study time, by the way. And, um, you know, God was showing me this. It's, it's amazing, right? I want you to, I see, I want you to hear this scripture Galatians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 7. So it says, But when God, but when in God's plan the proper time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might redeem and liberate those who are under the law. Now listen to this. That we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children, with all rights, as full-grown members of the family. My God. And because you are really his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, listen to this, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through the gracious 
act of God through Christ. If you could get that revelation. See, you know, I know they used to say, oh, we are all God's children. We're not all God's children. Everybody in this world is not God's children. You are adopted as a child. When you get saved. You know, Jesus told those Pharisees, he says, you are your father, the devil. That's your father. He said he was a liar from the beginning, a murderer, a liar, you know. He said, and you're fulfilling those same acts. God is not everybody's father. We are not all his children. Not until you give your life to Jesus. Not until you get saved. Then we become God's children. You are adopted as his child. Because we're all born into sin. So now when you get saved, you are adopted. Because you are somebody else's kid. And, but when you were adopted, you got full rights and privileges as a full-grown son and daughter. We are part of the family, and, and, and because you are really, I like that, because you are really his sons. <laughs> I like that, you know? He is, see, he has now, not only has he called you, you're my son, you're my daughter, he's given you an inheritance. I'm leaving you something in my will. You know, that's why when you look at the Bible, the New Testament, really it is titled the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Everything in the New Testament, all of the promises are what Jesus left you when he died. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. The divine exchange. Christ has redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. For it is written that cursed is every man that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham may come upon us all through Jesus Christ. So you don't know that. because you don't, See, people don't know because they don't read. Here he is, you've been, law, you've been left all of this inheritance. And you know, you are absent the day that they read the will. <laughs> so now you don't even know what belongs to you. Somebody could have left you a million dollars. Did you go? No, I didn't go. I didn't go. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want nothing from him. I didn't want to hear what he had to say. <laughs> and he left you money, you just sitting in an account somewhere. You ain't even know about it. And here you are having, you have, you have assets in a spiritual bank account. And, and you just have to read the will. And, and, oh, that belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. Prosperity belongs to me. Right? Peace belongs to me. You know the word that he says when he says, my peace I leave with you? In the Greek, he says, I bequeath it. To bequeath is a, is, a, is a legal term for leaving an inheritance. I bequeath it, my peace to you. Not like the world gives. See, I'm not giving you peace like the world because the world takes it away from you. I'm giving you my peace, a peace that the world can never take from you. I'm bequeathing it to you. I'm leaving it to you in my will. It's yours now, my peace. You can always have it. 
I got I to I gotta move on, man. I, I got to get ready to close here. So you can't be double-minded. You can't be in unbelief. Hebrews 3.19, it says, So we see that they, speaking of Israel in the wilderness, could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief, they did not enter into the promised land. And if you're walking in unbelief, you'll ever, never make it into your promised land. You'll never get a double portion. In Hebrews 11, you know, Hebrews 11, 5 through 6, it says, By faith, Enoch was caught up and taken to heaven so that he would not have a glimpse of death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For even, at, even before he was taken to heaven, he received the testimony, still on record, that he had walked with God and pleased him. And it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. He loves you, no matter what you do. But without faith, you won't please him. You can, you can love somebody and not be pleased with them. You know, some of you have children right now, you love them, but you're not pleased with their actions. Nobody is pleased with childs that get F's or that are disrespectful or dishonorable or do their own thing. Nobody's pleased with that. I love them, but I'm not pleased. And see, when you don't have faith, you are loved by God. See, everybody wants to focus on the love of God, and that's beautiful. You know, I'm grateful for the love of God, but that does not qualify you for God's blessings. It's faith that pleases him. And without faith, he loves you, but he's not pleased. He's not pleased with your unbelief. He's not pleased with your doubts. He's not pleased, of course, when you sin. See, you, think you can do things that just don't please God. And as a result, he can't, he can't bless you because you can never reward rebellion. You can't. Can't reward. You can't. Somebody, your kids get F's and you give them whatever they want. You can't reward that because they start thinking, well, I could do my thing. You know, I could do whatever I want. I'll still get blessed. That's why God can't bless you. It's not that He don't want to, He can't. Because He wouldn't be a good father by doing that. Live however you want. I'm still going to bless you. That's not how it works. You wouldn't do your own children like that. Some do. But, you know, unbelief is defined as faithlessness. And faith and fear are the opposite of one another. So if you're faithless, then you're fearful. See, we got to learn how to trust God. We got to learn how to believe God. And without faith... Without believing God, don't, don't, you know, all of this double portion stuff, just let it go. Because it's going to take faith to receive it. Can you say amen? amen. I got one more and I'm going to close. It's my final one. You want to receive it? How many of you want to receive a double portion? Okay. Amen. Then my last one is you got to forgive. Job chapter 42, verses 7 through 10. I'm going to close right here. 
It came about that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, listen to this, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, listen to this, and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you. Now, I want you to understand something before I, I go on. Now, these are the same guys that have been talking about him like a dog for the last 30 plus chapters. They've been talking about how he was such an evil man, you know, how he just needed to get it right with God, repent because of the way he had been living. And that's why all of the stuff that's happening to him is happening to him because, you know, he's such an evil man. All this stuff for 30 something chapters. I mean, you read the story of Job. I mean, they're laying into him, man. And now, God is saying, you got to pray for these guys. <laughs> and he says, for I will accept him and his prayer so that I may not deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me the, that thing that is right as my servant Job has. So now, God's about to judge these guys. Because of the way they've been acting. He said, the only thing that's going to stop me from judging you is Job's prayer. You're going to go to Job and he's going he gonna to pray for you. <laughs> and if he don't pray for you, I'm going to judge you. I don't know about you. But I might think long and hard about that. <laughs> you sure you want me to pray for these guys? I mean, I would be all right with you judging these guys. <laughs> I really wouldn't have too much of a problem if you uh, released your wrath on them. <laughs> the way they've been treating me, talking about me, you know, go ahead, release the hellfire on them. <laughs> Rain it on them, Lord, the brimstone. <laughs> so now, I mean, he has to get himself together to pray for these guys. See, in order to pray for somebody for real, you have to release them. You have to forgive them. You just can't, you can't pray for people that you haven't forgiven. <laughs> you can throw some prayer up, but it, it ain't real. <laughs> you can't really pray for somebody unless you've forgiven them and released them for what they've done for you, to you. And it says, so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and, and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord told them. And obviously, Job prayed for them because the Bible says the Lord accepted Job's prayer. So now he prays for these guys. Now he's still messed up. He's still got sores all over him. He still, he still has nothing. He's, lost, he's, still, he's still broke. He has nothing. He's still, got, you know, he's still messed all up, but he's praying for these guys. And it goes on to say, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When or after he prayed for his friends. God then restored his, his fortunes. And then he said, you know, I want you to pray for these guys. Now, Job is still messed up. He has sores all over his body. You know, he's broke. He's messed up. And God says, I want you to pray for these guys. Or I'm going to judge them. 
And Job prayed for these guys. And God releases them. And then his Bible says that after Job prayed for his friends, then the Lord restored his fortunes. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. He didn't just restore Job, give him what he had before. Now, he was the wealthiest man in all the land before all of this happened to him. Now, God didn't just restore his fortunes. He doubled it. <laughs> Remember I said, God going to give you one and then give you another one. The double portion. But it only happened when he forgave and when he prayed for his friends. Not before, after. You want this double portion? If you got somebody in your heart that you have not released, if you have you know, unforgiveness in your heart, that will block you from receiving the double portion. So if you've got, if you're holding on to somebody, release them. See, you're not releasing them for them, not just for them. Yeah, when he released them, you know, they were released, at least. You know, they didn't, they didn't get judged by God. But it also released Job. Because Job, up until that point, has still been suffering. But the moment that he prays for these guys, yes, God releases them, but he also releases Job. But not just releases Job and give him back what he'd lost. He gave him a double portion. So don't let your double portion be held up because you refuse to forgive somebody that hurts you. They are not worth it. What they did to you is not that bad that you will forfeit what God really has for you. So you think that if I, if I forgive them and release them, they just get to go scot-free. Really what's happening is you get restored. And not only do you get restored, you get a double portion. Can you say amen? I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. We're about to close. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word to us. Oh, my God. We're so grateful for your word. I believe that you have a double portion prepared. We're about to give birth to twins, a Manessa and an Ephraim blessing. With one blessing from you, you're going to cause us to forget all of the hell and all of the turmoil, all of the trials that we've been through. And then you're going to cause us to be doubly fruitful. Not just one. You're going to give us twice as much of what we lost, what we forfeited, what we gave up because of something that, that we did. Even if it's something that we did, you will still restore it and give us double. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for everybody that's here under the sound of my voice to hear and to receive it. Today for themselves personally. Yes, you spoke that to us as a ministry. But we're a body of believers. And so is the head, so is the body, so is the priest, so is the people. Whatever you are speaking to the house, you are speaking to the individuals that are a part of that house. 
So I release that over everybody that's a part of this work. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, that you will give your people a double portion. Everything that they lost, everything that they forfeited, everything they gave up, give them a double portion. Put them back on top. Put them in a better place than they were prior to that happening to them. And Father, for it, we just thank you. We bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now listen, if you're here today, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus. You're watching online. You've never given your life to the Lord, and you want to do that today. I want to pray for you. And I mentioned earlier, see, everybody is not a son. Everybody's not a child of God. You become a son of God through adoption. You become a daughter through adoption. And when you give your life to Jesus, God adopts you as your child. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never been adopted as his child, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to get it right with God again, I want to pray for you. And I just want us all to say this simple prayer. We can all do it together. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. All right. We're going to get ready to close here. We are going to worship God with tithes, with offerings, special giving. You know, the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all of your increase. He says, if you do that, I will cause your barns to be filled with plenty. Your presses, they'll burst out with new wine. He said, bring all the tithe to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Put me to the test and see if I'll not open up for you the windows of heaven. He said, I'll pour you out blessings that you don't have room enough to receive. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Hallelujah. You know, tithes and offerings. They go in this envelope. If you don't write a check, you write it to the love of Jesus. You can leave them alone in the bathroom. I'm trying to take care of this. Tithes and offerings, they go in this envelope. You don't write a check, you write it to the love of Jesus. You know, this envelope right here is for miracle offerings. You know what? <laughs> I believe that God wants to give, like I said, a double portion to everybody. He wants to cause you to prosper and be successful. And I don't believe in paying for no miracle. What I do believe for is sowing for one. <laughs> so you can sow. If you want one of these, we give you one of these. But this is for a miracle offering. It says there, get ready for a double portion blessing. You know, whatever you're believing for, you got to sow towards it. Can you say amen? You know, um, I believe that, um, that God really wants to bless many people here finances. He wants to take you to the next level. But... You got to learn how to sow for it. You know, many of you start thinking, well, I don't have it. <laughs> well, you know, if you want to have it eventually, you better learn how to, how to sow for it. 
You know what I'm saying? You sow a seed for it. You know, um, my wife and I, we got money for the anniversary for us, not for the church. You know, church got money. People blessed us. We got money. And what we did was we sold that money back into the ministry because we're believing for harvest. We're believing for double portion. So we don't just tell you to sow. <laughs> we sow ourselves, you know, and it was well over a thousand dollars. We sold that because we're believing God for a double portion. Can you say amen? So, you know, harvest comes through seeds. You want one of these? We'll give you one of these. But, you know, sow your best. That's all. You know, if God speaks to you to sow, you do it. If you don't speak, don't do it. That's all. No big deal. <laughs> Whatever God speaks to you, that's what you do. Can you say amen? All right, so let's worship God with tithes and offerings. You know, you can use our GiveLify at Love of Jesus of North Nork. You can use our cash app at cash sign L-O-J-N-N. Now you can also zell us at L-O-J-NorthNork at gmail.com. That is our zell information. L-O-J-NorthNork at gmail.com if you want to give that way. And um, if you want one of these, you can raise your hands and Usher, is, Usher will come around and give you one. All right. Okay. Let's go ahead and worship God. Amen. 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 Glory to Jesus. Amen. Let me mention this to you. As we've been talking about a double portion, I am believing for God this year to double the size of this ministry and even further. Give us one and then another one. Double the size of this ministry, but it's going to be everybody has to get involved. You know what I'm saying? Um, the way a church grows is by the people in the church talking to people and letting them know about their church. So what we did was um, I asked Minister Eben to put together an invitation card. Digital. A digital invitation card. So she had just she just created it and she can text it to you. And then you can text it to your friends, your family, whatever. You can put it on, you can post it on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. You know, you can post it. And then I'm also gonna get for old school people that still like the palm cards. I'm I, I'm still gonna get I'm gonna get um the uh you know the, them, them printed out so that you can give them to people. But it'll be easy. Somebody says, Oh, well, hey, you wanna come to my church? You have everything, everything will be there. The address is there. The, uh, all of our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram information is there. Our website is there. Everything is there. Our service times, you know, all of that stuff is in that card. So it's real simple to just, you know, here you go. Send it to somebody. So if you, if you want to help us with that, and I'm, 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 I'm putting this on all of you. We should all be inviting people. Can you say amen? Wanna grow, I want to grow this ministry, you know, and again, it's going to take us all. So, you know, after service, we'll give you that information. We'll text it to you. And all you got to do is just text it to my, hey, come to church with me next week. You know what I'm saying? All right. So you can get them from us. Um, all right. Let's worship God. Be good. Hallelujah. I want to I wanna meet with um, our leaders right after service. I want to talk about a couple of things real quick. Our leaders and also those that serve in this house. I want to talk to you really, real, real quick. Yes. The for L O J North Nork at gmail.com. Hallelujah. All right. Good. Let's bless this offering. Stretch forth your hands. 
Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for everybody that gave to this offering today. Father, bless your people. Open up for them the windows of heaven. Pour them out blessings that they don't have room enough to receive. Rebuke or devour for their sake. Shower them with the blessings and favor of God. Give them more than enough where there is no lack. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I release a double portion on you. In Jesus' mighty name. Um, We're going to get ready to close. But you know Toya's birthday was just recently. Come on up here, Toya. You know, saying happy birthday to Toya. Oh, yes. Sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Toya. Happy birthday to you. God's blessings. God's blessings on you. God's blessings on you. your hands let's bless her pray for her father in the name of jesus we thank you father for minister latoya we thank you father for her life for her light we thank you for using her for causing her to be a great blessing now we pray that you'll bless her let this be a year of the double portion blessing for her for her family cause them to be successful prosper Cause them to be successful in Jesus' mighty name. Everything that she does and put her hands to, let it be successful. Let it prosper, grow, and flourish in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Happy birthday. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, everybody, stand up on your feet. Let me bless you as we get ready to leave. Amen, amen, amen. To God be the glory. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want everybody to say, I'm blessed and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your day. Make sure to turn into, tune into Let's talk this Thursday. We have Pastor Naima with us, and she's going to be talking about cursed items. It's going to be really good, like people that burn sage and all that crazy stuff. We're going to be talking about that on this Let's Talk. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. All right. God bless you. Love you. Have a great rest of your day. Play the soundtrack. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. Father put you through it, trust me, you gon' have back If you see someone in need, meet them where they at If you see someone that's hurt, hear them where they at If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this back If the Father put you through it, trust me, you gon' have some back rings Come fellowship with us at the Love of Jesus Church of North Newark Led by pastors Gavin and Tanya Taylor Where our mission is to find a need and meet it Find a hurt and heal it, find a problem and solve it